0: not call it mountain, but it is a considerable hill, or set of hills, and here again the country is transformed. The land rises steeply beyond the first escarpment, and everything is changed. Texture, configuration, blistered facade, all of it warped and ruptured and bruise-colored. The few rivers run deep like old wounds boiling round the fractures and revealing folds of slate and shell and glittering blue limestone, spilling back and across and out of the hills toward the lower country. The city lies against and below two short spiny ribs of hill. One of the little rivers runs round and about, and from the hills it's possible to view the city over all, and draw, therefrom an impression of sweet, curving streets and graceful, sweeping lawns, and the unequivocally happy sound of children always at play. Closer on, the feeling is only partly confirmed, though it should seem enough to have even a part. It's a pleasant city, clean and quiet, with wide rambling walks and elaborate public gardens, and elegant old homes faintly ruined in the shadow of arching poplars. Occasionally through the trees, and always from a point of higher ground, one can see the college tower and the capitol building. On brilliant mornings, the white sandstone of the tower and the capitol's granite dome are joined for an instant, all pink and cream, catching the first light. On a midsummer morning, not very long ago... The sun advanced on the city and lit the topmost spines of Hill, painting the olive-drab slopes in crazy new colors, like the drawing of a spangled veil. Then the light came closer, touching the tall buildings and the fresh-washed streets. The nearly full-blown heat came with it, quick and palpitant. It was close to being desert heat, sudden, emphatic, dissolving, chill and out-distancing rain. It was neither first light nor early heat that caused the two politicians to come struggling up from sleep at that hour, but an old truck carrying migratory cotton pickers. The younger of the two politicians was named Roy Sherwood, and he lay twisted sideways in the front seat of an automobile that was parked out front of an all-night supermarket. Arthur Fenstermaker, the other one, the older one, floundered in his bed covers a few blocks distant in the governor's mansion. The old truck banged along the streets past dazzling storefronts and the juicy pig stand and the marble facades of small banks in which deposits were insured to $10,000. The dozen children in the back of the truck had been first to come awake. They pulled aside the canvas flaps and peered out at the city, talking excitedly, whooping and hee-hawing as the old truck rolled north, "'straining toward the Capitol grounds and the Governor's mansion "'where Arthur Fenstermaker slept "'and the supermarket where Roy Sherwood's car was parked. "'The truck came to a sudden stop "'and began with a terrible moaning of gears and transmission "'to back into a parking space next to Roy Sherwood's car. "'Roy heard the commotion,' and blinked his sore eyes in the early light. He struggled to untangle his long legs from between the steering wheel and seat cushion, and he was able finally to sit up and examine the truck. He unrolled a window and leaned his head out, taking deep breaths, blinking his eyes. The children in the truck watched him gravely for a moment and then began to giggle. Their laughter subsided abruptly when Roy called out to them, Buena, dear. There was silence, and then a small voice answered back, Dear. Roy smiled and opened the car door. He stood on the cool pavement for a moment, weaving slightly, trying to hold his balance. He was dizzy with fatigue and an hour's poor sleep and possibly a hangover. One hell of an awful dear, he muttered under his breath. The children were laughing again, and fairly soon he began to feel better. The driver of the truck climbed down and came round to Roy's side to stare at him. The fella had a murderous look, a bandit's look.